It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome back to the Franchise Focus Podcast here at FantasyPoints.com and the Fantasy Points Podcast Network. My name is Joe Dolan. I'm your host. I've been your host for the Franchise Focus Podcast. We have over 20 in the books. Well, well, if you're listening to this, maybe over 20 or maybe just 20 even because we have made our way through the entire AFC and the NFC East and I am kicking off the NFC North segment of the podcast series. I can't believe we are almost done with it. 32 of these is a massive undertaking, but again, I think it's something that's necessary. I think it's something that is going to help me. It's going to help people who listen to them kind of prepare and get the insider perspective for each of the 32 NFL teams. And if you're listening to this podcast, it is at least July 13th. It might even be July 17th. And I have to point out that on July 17th, which is Monday, we are releasing what we think is going to be an industry-changing product in terms of being able to do fantasy and betting research. It's called the Fantasy Points Data Suite. I am not the guy who is going to tell you the most about it. That would be Scott Barrett, Brett Whitefield, Grant Barfield, and Chris Wecht, who have put in so many hours to develop this tool. But we do believe it is going to be absolutely industry-changing. So I want you to head to fantasypoints.com and check that out. Trust me, you'll be hearing a lot more about the Fantasy Points data suite in the weeks, months, and years going forward. But I do still want to bring you, of course, to the main event, at least on this program. That would be the Franchise Focus Podcast Series. And if you're listening to this one, you're listening to one about the NFC North. I hope you enjoy and tune in. Welcome back to the Franchise Focus Podcast Series here at FantasyPoints.com. Today I'm with Eric Schlitt. He is the managing editor at Pride of Detroit, the co-host of the Lions Breakdown podcast. He came highly recommended by Brett Whitefield, so uh, I think you can take uh, Eric's information to the bank. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric Schlitt. That's Eric with a K. Schlitt like Schlitz, but sans the Z plus an extra T. Uh, I, Eric, I, I can't imagine how much you get that. And as a matter of fact, I didn't listen to our podcast last year, but I'm going to guess I probably said it on the podcast last year, so I apologize. I don't, I don't know if you did, um, but yeah, no, I get that a lot. It's uh, it's it's really easy uh, name association, and uh, people don't mispronounce my name as often as you would think because of that, I think. Yeah, everybody's, everybody has a Schlitz story for better or worse, <laughs> typically for worse. Um, the Lions have typically been for the worse, uh, I mean, forever. Yeah. But this team is kind of exciting. I mean, yeah. the, I, I've actually asked this a lot for the NFC North, which is really a division in upheaval. What are the general vibes with the Lions fan base around the Lions heading into 2023? I think they're really high. Um, you know, with Minnesota uh, kind of looking like they were not as, you know, as good as the record was last right. year and and they lost more than they gained this off season. Chicago's still in a rebuild and the Packers lose their uh, MVP quarterback. Uh, I'm sorry, the Packers. Yeah. They said Packers, right? Lose yeah, their MVP you did. quarterback. And all of a sudden the, uh, the lions are a team that is ascending. And I think most people are, are expecting them to have an edge for the division. Packers are going to, you know, make a good run at it, of course. And the Vikings are the defending division champs, but, 
I think the general consensus is this is uh, a prime year for the Lions to uh, to take the North. So I, I want to get your reaction to the Lions' first round, and I think mm-hmm. the quote Brad Holmes, the general manager, and you know I think a lot of the nerdy guys were taken aback because Brad Holmes had sort of become like a nerd, like sure. forward uh, general <laughs> manager. I was on the live stream with Brett Whitefield when the Lions drafted Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. And his reaction was just like stunned silence. <laughs> we know the positional value, but the Brad, sure. Brad Holmes, and this is the point I was getting to, we draft players, not positions. What right. was your initial reaction? And what's your reaction now to the Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell first round for the Lions in really a critical year for them with two first round picks? I think I was probably in line with Brett uh, in the fact <laughs> that this this was very uh, askew from what Brad Holmes had done the first two drafts. Uh, it, the first two, he was very straightforward. He had a plan. He built with the trenches early and um, he was aggressive, but he had more or less adhered to the positional value theories that I think a lot of people have. So this was very uh, out of the blue. We, we weren't expecting it in, in the media room. Uh, most of the media room was uh, pretty shocked by both those picks. So, um, yeah, initially, I, I think we were all Brett Whitefield. Uh, at the same time, now that we've seen him in spring camp and uh, we've gotten a chance to listen to Holmes' explanation for, for why he picked the players that he did, uh, it makes more sense. Uh, they're taking it slow with Campbell. Uh, you know, it's going to ramp up eventually, but they're taking it slow with him. Gibbs is being thrown right into the mix, yeah. and he is getting a lot of play at, at multiple positions, which makes him – uh, a very intriguing uh, person to watch from a fantasy perspective, from from a uh, you know NFL perspective, and so I, I'm more, I, I can really understand the Gibbs pick a lot better now, uh, and I get the the idea behind Campbell. I just think it's going to take a little. He's going to take a little growth to uh, to before people start accepting the, a linebacker in the first round. You mentioned the backfield from fantasy perspective. The Lions actually had two top twenty running backs in fantasy last year on a, in a mm-hmm. fantasy points per game basis. And they replaced them both. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think Jamal Williams moving up. Jamal Williams himself seemed to be personally hurt by that. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I know he's a fan favorite, a guy who's easy to root for. I think we can just talk about Jameer Gibbs being an upgrade on DeAndre Swift. But what makes yeah. the Lions convinced that David Montgomery, who they paid a pretty hefty penny to, is mm-hmm. going to be an upgrade in that grinder role to Jamal Williams? Well, I, the thing with Jamal was uh, Yank, uh, Brent Holmes had a – had a cap on what he wanted to spend at the position and, and Williams was above it. And uh, when Williams wasn't willing to come down or his agent wasn't willing to come down, uh, Brad Holmes wasn't going to wait and be left out in the cold. And that's when he shifted to Montgomery who they like equally. What makes, I think Montgomery more appealing uh, is his ability to break tackles and his ability to catch the ball. Those are two things that I think Jamal could have done better uh, last year. And Ben Johnson has a has a quote that has you know made its way around Detroit here, where he talks about the fact that if they were to have broken tackles on play, there were a lot of plays where they should have broken tackles that would have turned four and five yard gains into seven and nine yard gains, and and that was the difference in a lot of their success. and And he thinks that that's on the table, and they believe Montgomery can do that with his tackle breaking ability. With Swift and, and Gibbs, it's really a matter of availability on right. its own. 
is going to be a big uh, a big upgrade because Swift Swift uh, even when he played he was injured almost uh, almost every week and you know as talented as as Swift is he just he never could stay healthy he was slow to return and that was always a, a thorn in his in the staff side that he's just he was just never around. Yeah. So let's talk about the Jameer Gibbs role. You mentioned they threw him right in. He's playing multiple positions. What kind of expectations do you have in terms of his usage? He's, I don't know how, how in tune with fantasy you are in July, um, but yeah. he's pretty jet, pretty consistently a fourth round pick on, on sites, which it means that we expect him in the community to be a pretty instant impact kind of player for the Lions. Yeah. I, I think that's the expectation here as well. Um, they, they, the name Alvin Kamara and and mm-hmm. that and that approach is being uh, applied to Gibbs in a lot of ways. Remember, Dan Campbell was with the Saints when they acquired Kamara, so was Aaron Glenn, and so there's there's a lot of history and understanding how to cre- recreate or you know that that thunder and lightning type dynamic that that the Saints had uh, back with 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 Ingram and and uh, Kamara, and and they really envision Gibbs in that role to the point where he's spending he's not spending all of his time training with the running backs he's spending his he's splitting time between the running backs room and the wide receiver room and so it's very realistic that he is looking upwards of like 60 70 maybe you know maybe he approaches 80 type catches type catch season um 60 is i think the floor and and maybe 80 is the ceiling but I think he can go in i swift last year was was close to that amount if i'm not mistaken swift had you know, a hand, he's had a handful of like 40, I think he had 48 or 50 uh, catches or something like that. Um, and he was only available half the games. Right. And so I, putting Gibbs in that role and making him available 60 to 80 catches is I think in, in his range. And so when you add those catches and then you add what he can potentially do on the ground, we're talking anywhere from like 1300, 1500 all purpose yards. And uh, I think that's, it's, it seems that seems high, but it also seems realistic because they have so many other ways that they can use them. I think we've seen um, with the Lions the last couple of years that when Jared Goff is protected, he is a pretty elegant thrower of the football. He's smooth. Um, he's he's compact. He g- generally makes the right decision. Do you think that's a fair assessment of Jared Goff? And it's when the pocket gets muddied that he turns into the guy who, you know, I guess it's almost like with Kirk Cousins, there's like this mindset that nationally everybody just thinks Jared Goff stinks. Sure. And, yeah. I, you know, I talked about this with Kirk Cousins, and, and I actually talked about this about Dak Prescott too. He's gotten to that point where, oh, you know, there's there's not, it, it, you have to be great or you stink. Do you think it's a fair assessment of Jared Goff that, I mean, if you protect the guy, He's pretty freaking good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. When he is protected, he's he is extraordinarily accurate. And, and to his credit, he has built trust with that offensive line over the last year and a half. And to the point where the back half of the season, he was he was hanging in there and taking shots and still making tough throws. And so, I think some of that narrative around him you know, being panicked when the pocket collapses, that's starting to soften a little bit. It's still there. Um, but look, the Lions have built the entire offense around what Jared Goff is good at. They've invested heavily in the offensive line, which is a, a staple of, of what they want to do as an organization. And they haven't had a healthy offensive. They haven't had their starting five offensive line together for the past two years, and now they're all healthy again. And so 
the offensive line has the potential to be better than it was last year. And, and with a offense that leans towards Jared's strengths, I think this is an offense that can, you know, pick up where it left off and, and, and put up hefty numbers. Uh, he was generally regarded. I mean, I universally regarded as a yeah. throw in, in the Matthew Stafford, Stafford trade. Oh yeah. You know, yeah it yeah. was the first round picks was what you wanted. Goff is just, you know, match some salary, get back. Now, the way I look at it, Detroit's a contender in the, the NFC North. Do you think it's more likely than not that even though the Lions can get out of Jared Goff's contract after this year, which makes it a pivotal year for Goff, but do yeah. you think it's more likely than not that he's their quarterback 2024 and beyond? I, I think for sure in 2024 because his contract extends through that year. Um, but really, the only thing he needs to prove is consistency. Uh, he has – 324 passes without an interception, his last 324, like that streak is going on right now. And so he was very consistent over the back half of of, of the last 10 games of uh, last season. So if that carries over and he keeps his his interceptions number down, he keeps his efficiency numbers up, I think he gets a contract extension at the uh, the end of the year. I think it's very interesting. The Lions drafted a, a rookie quarterback in Hendon Hooker, and you're like, oh, you know, young quarterback to come in and, you know, potentially take. Jared Goff's three and a half years older than Hendon Hooker. <laughs> right, Ho- right. Hooker might not be ready to play. Uh, but I want to get what Brad Holmes and get, get your opinion of what Brad Holmes said about drafting Hendon Hooker. What does that mean for Goff? What does it mean for Hendon Hooker? Uh, with, with Hendon, it's really just a matter of. They've not had any stability behind Jared Goff, and they haven't had anyone that could push Jared Goff. They basically just said, you're our best quarterback. You're going to play no matter what. And they and, and, and across the rest of the roster, there's been competition. And so they wanted to be able to solidify their backup spot while also adding someone who could push Jared uh, you know, to be the consistent player that he needs to be. And and Hendon brings that. And it's going to take time. Uh, he's probably not going to be physically ready to go to the regular season, which puts him behind the learning curve of just acclimating to, to, to the NFL. And he may start the season on the NFI because, you know, he hasn't, he wasn't get a, he didn't get a chance to learn during training camp, but long-term this is a, they've been looking for a backup quarterback that can be solid for two years. And, I think they believe Hendon can be that answer. And if he can be more, all Great. the better. Yeah. yeah. So on these podcasts, I haven't been taking a whole lot of time to talk about, like when I talk, when I, when I did my Kansas city podcast, we didn't talk about Patrick Mahomes. We didn't need to talk about him. <laughs> well, when we did Minnesota, we didn't need to talk about Justin Jefferson. We know he's good for fantasy. Yeah. I kind of think we're there with Amon Ross St. Brown. I, I mean, yeah. uh, what hundred, hundred catches in his sleep this year if he's mm-hmm. if he's healthy and that that's the baseline yeah. expectation i would think yeah hundred thousand hundred and then a thousand is yeah. is i think minimum i wouldn't surprise me if he exceeds what he his production from last season uh especially with the the targets going his way a lot early and then he just becomes mr reliable he's he's the outlet uh if there is a player that uh is a pillar offensive skill player that they want to build around it's 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 Amon Ra we know Jamison Williams is going to miss the first six games of the season yep the wide receiver depth chart for the Lions if you look at one place on this roster on this roster at least on the offensive side where Mm. fans are going to go uh-oh I think it's probably the wide receiver position who do you think has the best chance to step up to be the number two wide receiver behind Amon Ra St. Brown uh while Jamison Williams is, is suspended 
It's Josh Reynolds, uh, and it's not even really even that close to me, to be honest, because Josh Reynolds is a guy who has a, a multi-year history with working with Jerry Goff, dating back to L.A. He's been consistently available, uh, and he's been a guy that they rely on. They rely on him in, in, in tough situations, third downs, fourth downs. They're not scared to go to him and not, and not scared to go to him down the field either. And so uh, he's a guy who – I'm on Ross's starter – I think Josh Reynolds is an absolute starter. And then that third wide receiver position is going to be kind of a, a flux between some of their reserves until Jameson comes back. And then Jameson's going to have to earn his way into that starting role. But I think in that eventually he will. But yeah, Reynolds is the Reynolds is going to be that number two. Well, I think that's music. Uh, well, I don't know about music to fantasy players' ears, but that's something fantasy players should take note of because mm-hmm. Marvin Jones has a higher draft position than Josh Reynolds right now. And, yeah. you know, I think Marvin's a veteran. Uh, you're obviously yep. familiar with his game, but. Yes. Is the name bigger than the game at this point? You think? Well, I think he's 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 just older, right? Like he's now he's he's thirty three, I think now. And he's had a hell of a um, career. Oh, uh, I mean, sensational. He's been he was terrific in Detroit, and at this stage, he's as much he was brought in for as much of his leadership as it was anything else, right? Like he is. If you look at what Jamison does well, Jamison is a field stretcher who has has to learn how to separate, right? And and that's something that Marvin Jones can teach him. Like he can teach him how to get free releases off the line when you're pressed. Like they play a lot of the they play the role in a similar way. It's just Jamison has this you know next world speed where Marvin not Marvin never really did, but Marvin is a perfect role model for what Jamison should learn to do habits, study habits, positional breaks, um, how to get off the line, all these things are, that Marvin does really well. He's going to do, he's going to be able to help Jamison with Amon Ra's already picking his brain. And I do think like Marvin's going to be the technical starter uh, when, when Jamison is out and he, and Jamison will have to, you know, beat him to get the, the starting job and which I think will happen in the back half of the season. But Marvin's going to get a lot of the, like, he's going to be the name that is going to be on the depth charts. He's going to be the guy that people are going to look at. But in reality, he's, the other guys on the roster are all younger than him. And they've, they've all had um, a couple seasons with Jared Goff and they're going to lean on, they're going to lean on a lot of the other guys um, just as much, if not more than they do with Marvin. I think it's fascinating. You mentioned that Jamison Williams has to earn his way into the lineup. You know, he was a first round pick. Yeah, But, I mean, obviously he barely played last year. Now he has this incredible, I guess, breach of trust. Um, I think it's very fair to say he is far from a finished product. And what had Lions coaches said about him before and after the suspension about his game and where he needs to go with it? Yeah, they've been really supportive of him uh, saying that he, you know, he made a mistake – and he's owned up to it and, and they appreciate that. And it's just a situation that they have to deal with and they don't believe it's something that he'll, a mistake he'll make again. And, you know, it's, you know, you can talk about the, you know, whether six games is too many and the hypocrisy of yeah, what that yeah. goes into the, yeah. But like mm-hmm. from a, from a on the field standpoint though, uh, he's basically kind of learning his timing right now. He's, he's so fast that it's it's he's he's still i don't want to say he's still finding his rhythm with jared goff but he's so fast that when he's not running his routes consistently the breaking at the same point right or or like or like you know his get off is a little bit different than it it, it disrupts when you're running like a timing based offense and so then that disrupts where jared is going to put the ball and so a lot of times 
when you have an athlete that's moving that fast and you're trying to predict what they're going to go, but it's, they're not quite as consistent in, in, in their tech, technical prowess there, it, it throws everything off just a little bit. And so they're getting it and, and it's, it's getting better, but there's still some flaws in that, that, that need to be corrected and where Jared needs to figure out where he's going to be. And I think Jameson needs to be more consistent where he is this summer though. Jameson is working out with Amon Ra. And if you want to talk about a player that's consistently running the exact same route every single time, it's Amon Ra. And so ideally Jameson comes in with this, with a, uh, a level of consistency that wasn't quite there previously. And if it's, when that shows up, he's going to, he's going to take off. I think the Lions have one of the more interesting uh, tight end rooms in the NFL. Extremely young. Um, They drafted Sam Laporta, who was Jack Campbell's college roommate, as Jack Campbell told me, um, uh, in in the second round. They also have a guy by the name of Brock Wright who's gotten some snaps. They have James Mitchell, who they drafted uh, last year, who's kind of an athlete. Can you break this down, compare and contrast, and how do you expect these tight ends to be used? So Brock Wright is is the incumbent starter. He he was a tight end two for the last two years, uh, and then when T.J. Hawkinson was traded, Brock Wright became the tight end one. Uh, Bro- Wright is more of a uh, Y, right? So he's lined up. He lines up in line more often he's than splitting line. out. Whereas Laporta is more of an F, so he's out. He's breaking out more than he's in line. And and with Laporta, they feel like he is very game ready, like. The the one of the knocks with rookie tight ends is that it takes them a long time to acclimate, learn all the nuances of the game, and they they tend to take their time before they're producing. They don't believe that that's going to happen with Laporta. They be, believe Laporta is just ready to go, and they can put him out there. And so they're going to use both those guys kind of like as a tight end one A one B type of type of situation. My guess is eventually it, it, they they tend to lean on Laporta a little bit more. But this coaching staff tends to favor veterans and take it slow with their rookies. So there's going to be a split between the two with a, it eventually going to Laporta. Now, Mitchell, he missed a lot of the season because he was recovering from an ACL as a rookie. And so he missed the first few games and then he started acclimating. He started getting a bigger role. He is improving as well. And so he's going to start challenging Brock Wright for snaps as well. And so he's going to probably start the season as like tight end three. He's going to start pushing for tight end two. And then eventually I think in in, the the way that they drafted these guys, they're envisioning them as kind of like a, a, a Laporta one Mitchell two type of scenario, but Brock Wright isn't going to go away. He's, he's a, he's a very, very good athlete, very underrated athlete. And he has size and, and, you, when you put those two things together, it's not unheard of. Uh, and, and the biggest thing, not unheard of for him to be successful. The biggest thing with Brock Wright is that they totally trust him right now. And with a tight end, as a, as a, a former tight end, as a head coach, and if you have a tight end that you can trust, he's going to play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't actually make that connection with uh, Dan Campbell. I should have, but I didn't make it. Uh, Eric, before we let you go, I've been asking all of my guests, uh, maybe a lower end player, maybe not on the tip of the tongue of fantasy players or national or people who follow the NFL nationally, who you wouldn't be surprised if he made an impact statistically uh, on the Detroit Lions this year. The the guy that jumps in my mind is Khalif Raymond, and he doesn't get a lot of talk but he's the guy who may not be the technical starter while Jamison is out. Like I said, that could be Marvin, 
But it wouldn't surprise me if Khalif has the same amount of snaps as Marvin does. Khalif is their gadget player. So they're going to use him on end arounds. They're going to use him on runs. They're going to use him over the middle. They're going to run him deep because he, outside of Jamison, Khalif's their fastest wide receiver. And so they're going to run him deep. You, if you saw week 18 against the Packers, the the, the 48-yard, 49-yard bomb that Jared Goff yeah. threw, that was to Khalif Raymond. Khalif Raymond is also – an all-pro punt returner. He was an all-pro on the all-pro team last year as a punt returner. So if you play in a league that that values those yardages or the, or that production, you have the potential for him to see uh, some stuff come out of – some production come out of that area as well. So Khalif's a guy that early I think is going to outproduce wherever he's drafted if he's being drafted at all. Uh, and you may see it taper off, but he's a guy, again, that they trust, and so they're going to utilize him. He was – he was their second leading receiver last year. Yeah. And like, I don't think anybody would really know that unless they, uh, you know, followed the lines uh, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, Patriot league football shout out. I grew up, uh, I grew up in a Patriot league town, so he went to Holy cross and uh, yep. I grew up in Easton, Pennsylvania, which is where Lafayette college is. So uh, always love hearing the Patriot league guys get shouted <laughs> out. Eric Schlitt. He is the managing editor at pride of Detroit and the co-host of the lions breakdown podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Eric with a K Schlitt. Eric, it's been great having you on. I'll uh, make sure Brett Whitefield knows that we've had yet another fantastic chat uh, about the Lions. I have to I have to look over my shoulder when I'm talking Lions because I got to make sure <laughs> one of Brett's approved guys is is on the podcast, and I know you came approved. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this edition of the Franchise Focus Podcast. Tomorrow we'll talk Green Bay Packers with Aaron Nagler. I'm excited for that, and I hope everybody has a fantastic uh, weekend coming forward. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. 